this week. We're blessed to have Father Tony Brame, who is currently the director of the Department of Holy Cross Orthodox Press and has served in many capacities, most um, prominently from our perspective as the director of the Department of Religious Education. He's here this weekend to offer us yesterday a seminar both to our Sunday school faculty and also to parents and I'll speak about that a little bit later, but Father Tony is going to offer the sermon today. Thank you, Father. Good morning. It's very nice to be here this weekend with Father Mark. Uh, it's not customary for somebody to come from the seminary to introduce the new assistant, but here I am. You'll get a chance later on. But it's good to be here. The last time I was here, the church had some scaffolding up in it, and I said, I like what you're doing with the place. I still do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As you may be remembering, on Friday, the church celebrated one of the great feasts of the church, the presentation of the Lord or the meeting of the Lord. We're referring to the meeting of Christ with Simeon. It's an important feast. It closes out in some ways the Christmas holidays knowing that it happened 40 days after Christ's birth. And in light of the conversations we've had yesterday with teachers and the families, the parents who were present, it's this feast and the stories around it provide us an excellent example of what it means to be a Christian family as well. Of course, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, it was a Jewish household. That's their faith, that was their religion. But it gives us a model for us today. So I, what I'd like to do is share just a few points from the story that we know about the story, but what we know about Jesus's earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, that we might miss if we're just focusing in on the event that took place at the temple or not make the connection to the types of family that Jesus was nurtured in. You have to go back to the Christmas story to understand who Joseph was. We only hear about him very briefly in the Christmas events in the Gospel of Matthew. Scholars think the Gospel of Matthew is Joseph's version of the nativity story. So, it's interesting that Joseph is present there, but he never speaks. He doesn't say a word. Now, I don't know if that means that our fathers should be silent, but it says it's describing him as a person. Now, if you go back and open up the Gospel of Matthew, you'll notice that Joseph is described in chapter 1 as a just man, a righteous man in some translations. Doesn't want to make Mary a public example and was minded to put her away quietly when he discovered that Mary was with child. The key here, he was a just person. Joseph is the kind of father who will always try to do the right thing. Second, when we hear about the persecution of the children, Joseph is a protective father. 
he's the one that comes up with the idea through the angel of going into Egypt to protect the child. So he's a protective father. Now he was a man of God, but he certainly had his questions and must have had his doubts because he was listening to the voice of God in his life, as we hear in Scripture, through the dreams. When he finds out that Mary's with child, a, an, the angel comes to him and says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of God. And it's, a jo and it's an angel that tells him to go to Egypt because Herod is going to try to destroy the child. Joseph was also responsible for being religiously observant. It was he, because he was the one who would take Mary and, Joseph, and Jesus to the temple on the 40th day. It was he who would offer the doves as the sacrifice for Mary's purification. And that's what this was about. He was the one who was religiously observant, following the commandments of the Mosaic law. There's a lesson in all of this for us as in our families of listening to God, of trying to always do the right thing, of being protective of our families. I think an appropriate role for fathers today. Now, we have Mary. Now we hear about Mary's side of the story of the Nativity in the Gospel of Luke. And Mary, what's so interesting about her is I want to say she was a radical. She was, to put it in modern terms, I, you might say she was woke. Listen to what she said to her cousin Elizabeth when she found, when they greeted one another. I'm going to skip, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he regarded the lowly state of his maidservant for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And here's where it gets radical. For he who is mighty has done great, thing, great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. This is referred to as the Magnificat, the, the Song of Mary. We hear it every Sunday in the Divine Liturgy. But when we pick it apart, when you think about it, now that I've told you Mary was a radical, listen to that. What did she was, what was she talking about? Was putting down the mighty, filling the hungry, and, and impoverishing the rich. She's lived in a society of terrible injustice. She lived in a society and a world where people were waiting for things to be made right. And she had the Old Testament prophets to teach her what that world would be looking like. 
And so some people might wonder, when Jesus begins his ministry, his ministry sounds very much like this. He's the one who says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He grew up in a household and I, of hearing these words. I like to think, and I could be wrong, that Mary not sang this song more than once. And these were words that Jesus heard on a regular basis. And while Jesus, of course, being God, he too was a child and grew up in a household of these kinds of ideas. So Jesus carries them and takes them to the next step in his ministry. And they come together in the 40-day blessing and they go, to the, they go to the temple and we know that Jesus is being presented, Mary is observing the, the rite of purification, and it's because of who he is that Simeon was able to put Jesus in his arms and say, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. We hear this hymn every, every, time, every time at Vespers. It was this revelation that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the, the Savior of the Jewish people. That's what is being honored on the 40th day through Simeon. And again, so we have this example of G Joseph and Mary in a household of a righteous man, a righteous father, trying to do the right thing, living and with and nurturing a child with Mary, his betrothed, his wife, who is filling that household with the ideas, the beliefs of the Hebrew people about the Messiah about the kingdom of God, and she nurtured that throughout Jesus' life until he begins his own ministry. Again, as I like to think about this two, these two pieces. What does that say for us? I believe it does give us a model of being a Christian family, the role that fathers play in the religious development of their children, trying to do the right thing, being religiously observant, and the words that mothers speak to their children, the songs that moms and dads then would sing, the ideas that they share, their hopes that they have about the world around them. Yesterday, we talked about this as the language of faith that each one of us has that each, because each one of us in our hearts has a language, a belief, a hope that we need to express in our Christian households about the world around us, about what, will, what is God expecting of us. It doesn't have to be a sophisticated language. Even Mary's song was a language of the Hebrew prophets, what I called yesterday a language of theology which has very, very specific ideas to it. Each one of us, when we begin to open up our Bibles and study it carefully, 
can begin to develop that language of theology. When we begin to participate in the life of the church, we can pick up the language of the theology of our church and begin to share that in our own way, in our actions, in our homes. And then there's the language, as I said yesterday, of church. What was the conversation you had in the car this morning on your way here with your children? Was it only, was it hurry up, be quiet, we gotta get there? What will the language on the way home be? Okay, we're in a hurry, make sure you're dressed and ready to go to whatever it is, the birthday party, the football game, the soccer game, practice, whatever it is. Will this opportunity of being together as a family in church be a time of saying, oh God, that who that Father Tony was, he talked way too long? So that, or could it be, it was good to be there. I thought about something. I heard something in the gospel that, appeal, that struck me. I heard something in one of the hymns today that struck me with a new idea. I didn't know that about Joseph and Mary. I never thought about how the gospel stories are kind, are kind of unt are tangled together at Christmas, but are really coming from separate sources. Will you talk to your children about how good it was to see friends and who you shared coffee with? That's the language of church that we talked about yesterday. Because we as parents, you as parents and grandparents, you share what you believe is the life of the church, the life of theology, the life of faith in your households. And as your children are socialized around with that, they too will pick it up. You're more powerful than you may realize on a day-to-day -day basis than just even this morning's opportunity can be because of how you continue the message of hope, of faith, of church, and theology at home. And so when we begin to look at the, this 40-day feast of a family coming together, of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus going to a temple to observe the religious rituals of their people, we have an image of a family, of a father who's living a faith silently according to Scripture, but a, and a mother who's doing it quite vocally according to Scripture, but nurturing faith and commitment and hope in the kingdom of God to their children. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.